The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Through the centuries, the Jewish people have held an annual occasion to mourn the massive tragedies and assaults that they have endured. This event is marked each year on what's known on the Hebrew calendar as the Ninth of Av. It's a memorial to atrocities suffered by the Jewish people and often done in the name of Christian churches. This year, a delegation of Christian leaders in Israel observed the solemn remembrance by a declaration of repentance that took place in Israel's parliament. Many years ago, it would have been a stretch for me to even conceive of holding a meeting with the speaker of the Israeli Knesset in a religious act of repentance. But in more recent years, I've stopped being surprised at what the Lord God is doing in these last days between Jews and Christians. And we've reached another new day in improving relations between the church and our elder brothers. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. This year's observance of the Ninth of Av included leaders of Israel-related Christian ministries presenting a document of repentance to the Israeli parliament, the Knesset. This special repentance presentation documented the many catastrophes and atrocities that the Jewish people remember on the Ninth of Av, atrocities that were too often perpetuated by elements from within Christendom. The purpose of the initiative in the chamber of the Speaker of the Israeli Parliament was twofold. First of all, we wanted to express humility and repentance, which is always healthy, and secondly, to disseminate information to Christians worldwide in order to facilitate meditation upon past grievances by the church among the Jewish people and to ask God to reestablish relationships between Jews and Christians. There is great power in repentance and reconciliation, especially as more and more Bible prophecies are unfolding and being fulfilled. Yuli Edelstein, speaker of the Knesset, warmly received us in the speaker's chamber and said that as Christians, we had chosen the more difficult path the path of helping to bring about reconciliation between Jews and Christians. And there have been many such initiatives of repentance in the past, spearheaded by organizations such as the International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem and the Christian Friends of Israel's Holocaust Museum, Yad Vashem, as well as our own ministry scroll of repentance that was presented to Israeli leaders at our Jerusalem summit in London and many other initiatives over the years by covenant alliances and biblically-based groups in the nations. However, this latest initiative of Christian repentance was spearheaded by my friend Bob O'Dell, co-founder of Root Source, an organization that specializes in Hebrew Roots Bible studies. And it was coordinated in Israel by a friend, Donna Jolie, who is director of Christian relations at Israel breaking news. Although, as I said, there have been many acts of repentance already for Christian atrocities against Jewish people, 
within the past couple of decades, Bob O'Dell said he felt there's a whole new generation of believers, and indeed there is within the churches, who haven't yet had the opportunity to participate in identifying with repentance on behalf of the churches. So during our meeting at the Knesset, Donna Jolie said for the numerous and continuous horrific acts that institutional Christians have done to the Jewish people for the last 2,000 years, this was a huge act of confession, an act of contrition and repentance to our spiritual ancestors, following God's instructions, of course, laid down in the Bible. Every leader who attended acknowledged that everything we've received spiritually, the Bible and the Savior, has come to us because of the existence of the Jewish people. Bob O'Dell wrote this declaration along with another brother, Ray Montgomery, after spending hours and days and weeks putting together the document of research. This document, in fact, is a primer on replacement theology, the era that says the church has replaced Israel. Bob O'Dell said that we Christians cannot change the past and we can't even change Jewish perception of former atrocities. But what we can do is something good right now in our generation. We can be sensitive to truth and we can humble ourselves, repent and seek forgiveness and reconciliation. As Bob put it, I can't change the past, but I can change the paradigm by interacting with Israel in a positive way as a devout Christian in direct contrast to what was done in the past. And it is our duty as Christians to fix this. And so we're challenging other Christians to look at the past, to look at the historical truth, and to grapple with the church's past in the hopes that some greater form of reconciliation will take place. Well, I was representing the Jerusalem Channel in my remarks, and I said to the Speaker of the Knesset, Mr. Edelstein, that the greatest scandal of our time is that many in the institutional churches are actually fighting God and boycotting Israel, and they don't understand that God favors the restoration of His people at this time. I said we're here to proclaim that the tide has turned, that there's a holy remnant in the church represented today, and we repent for the atrocities done to our elder brothers and to our patriarchs in the faith. I said, Mr. Speaker, I especially purpose to be in Israel every year at this time to watch the God of Israel fulfill Zechariah 8.19, a verse which declares that the fasting day of Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av, will turn from mourning to gladness and joy. And furthermore, the prophet Zechariah said that God will be a wall of fire around Israel during these very difficult days and that he will be the glory of Israel in their midst. And so it's our honor and privilege to watch all of this coming to pass and to pray it into being. We want to say to you with all of our hearts that the biggest scandal of our generation is the fact that we have only a holy remnant here today mm -hmm. to represent repentance mm -hmm. on, the, on behalf of the church. At the time that God is favoring the return of the Jewish people, mm -hmm. the church mm -hmm. is entering into BDS and all of these really atrocities of the modern time. Mm -hmm. 
But we are here to do repairing of the relationship, and we feel that today, even though our number is small, we represent those on the list and many who will be signing up to say that this is a time of sorrow, but we want to proclaim, and that's why I come here every year during Tisha B'Av. We want to proclaim Zechariah 8.19, what we know is Zechariah 8.19, that that fast day will become a day of rejoicing. And also what Zechariah said, I'll start with this, that at this time, and it's a dangerous time for Israel, Hashem says that he will be a wall of fire for Israel and your glory within. And so we are welcoming back the glory of God to this nation at this time. Speaker Edelstein remarked that he's sure that the prophecies of Zechariah in the Bible will come to pass, but in the meantime, we shouldn't be sitting on our hands. We have a lot of work to do. You are trying to really change the reality, and you've, as I've said, you've chosen the real challenge, and you're dealing with that, of how you change the whole perception of millions of Christians around the world. And there is still a lot of work to do. Donna Jolet read the simple declaration of repentance in the speaker's office. We, the undersigned and everybody in this room, recognize the long and horrific history of anti-Semitic atrocities committed against Jews in the name of Christ. We repent for these actions, pray to God to continue turning the hearts of Christians to true love for his chosen people and submit this declaration to the representative of Israel and the Jewish people. And so we submit this to you. One of the leaders who was president in the speaker's office was Pastor David Decker, president of Covenant Alliances, who's chaired many Jerusalem assemblies in the Knesset. Pastor David Decker works closely with the Sanhedrin Council of Jewish Sages and said it was a wonderful and historic privilege for all of us to have the joy and honor to be there. Pastor David is praying that the Lord will continue to pour out among us the soothing and healing balm of repentance that brings reconciliation. I was just overwhelming to be with the speaker of the Knesset, Yuli Edelstein. He's the, you know, he's only a heartbeat away from becoming the prime minister, God forbid, you know, anything happened to our prime minister, he becomes the head of the government. He's the number one, uh, he's the number one elected uh, official in the, in the Knesset, in charge of the whole Knesset. So it's a big responsibility and uh, imagine him receiving us in his austere office where the popes and leaders of both the world, you know, plus Madonna and Michael Jackson and everybody, all the celebrities are in that amazing office. And we were there as a humble group of Christian leaders repenting and, uh, and asking, asking uh, Yuli, who can't really forgive us, but personally he did forgive us. And it's, it's all, of course, symbolic for the horrible tragedies and, 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 and basically crimes that were committed in the name of Jesus and in the name of Christianity. This document of repentance had as its cover a photograph of a piece of artwork shared from the Jewish virtual library of two marble statues, one representing the church and the other representing synagogues. This depiction was a typical symbolic representation in Christian art of the Middle Ages, showing the victorious church boasting against the defeated synagogue the type of boasting that the Apostle Paul condemned 
and warn the churches not to do in Romans chapter 11 in the New Testament. This motif became a conventional decoration in many medieval churches and took the form of two female figures, often on the outsides of churches. On the one hand, the church was depicted as triumphant, bearing a cross, while the synagogue is shown to be blindfolded and looking dejected and bearing a broken staff and sometimes holding the Ten Commandments. Jesus never taught replacement theology and none of the apostles ever dreamed of the church teaching replacement theology or boasting against Israel. Because let me quote Romans eleven eighteen, where Paul says, Brethren, I'm warning you, don't consider yourself to be superior to those other Jewish branches. If you do boast, Paul said, consider this. You don't support the root, but the root, the Jewish people, support you. Amen. The repentance document lists events that occurred on the 9th of Av, as well as other negative events, including the Crusades, Inquisitions, pogroms, and the Holocaust itself. Positive events are also documented in this invaluable list, culled from many sources. While many of us are well aware of the anti-Semitic remarks of the reformer Martin Luther, but many quotes from early church fathers are not so well known, but need to be known. For example, circa the year 167, Melito of Sardis was the first to accuse the Jews of deicide. His preaching would later inspire pogroms against the Jews. It wasn't until 1965 that the Roman Catholic Church under Pope Paul VI repudiated the doctrine of exclusive Jewish guilt for the crucifixion. Irenaeus, in his book Against Heresies, circa the year 180, said that the Jews were disinherited from the love of God, a total lie. He wrote that the Jews rejected the Son of God and cast him out of the vineyard, and that God had rejected them and has given the vineyard over to the Gentiles. Yet the New Testament very clearly says in Romans chapter 11, that God has never rejected his own people whom he foreknew and that he intends to restore them. The new covenant was made with them and he will graft them back into the olive tree of God. Well, also the early church father Tertullian erroneously wrote that the Jews were disinherited from the love of God, which again clearly goes against the tenor of the whole New Testament. Origen, one of the most distinguished of the early fathers of the church, declared, tragically, declared the Jews as dangerous enemies of Christians. And the early theologian Eusebius did a lot of damage toward the forming of replacement theology by arguing that the biblical promises were meant for the church and the curses for the Jews and claiming that the church is now the true Israel. Yet, all uses of the word Israel in the New Testament refer to the nation people of Israel and not to the church. The apostles never used Israel as a synonym for the church. The terms we've heard incessantly, new Israel or spiritual Israel, are not mentioned in the Bible. While Israel may be used as a type of the church, and we can learn from the patriarchs, 
experiences in the Hebrew scriptures, nevertheless, the church is never referred to as Israel. In fact, the distinctions are very clear in the New Testament. Well, getting back to the meeting at the Knesset, Deborah Ariel from the Orthodox Jewish community in Israel was an observer at our meeting in the speaker's office, and she made a prophetic comment after the meeting. She quoted the remarks of another observer, member of Knesset, Rabbi Yehuda Glick. Deborah expressed her appreciation for all who helped to bring together the estranged brothers, Jews and Christians. She's the wife of Root Source co-founder Gidon Ariel, and Deborah said that we truly live in inspiring and uplifting times when Jews and Christians come together. And so she quoted Psalm 84, one of my favorite verses, that all who love the dwelling places of the Lord advance from strength to strength, and each one will appear before God in Zion. And that's what I humbly believe we were doing, not in our own merits, but we were appearing before God in Zion, in the merits of our Lord and Savior, to at this time help to build important and lasting bridges for peace before the second coming of Messiah. This initiative of reconciliation is being endorsed by many Christian leaders worldwide. And everybody watching this broadcast is also invited to sign this document, which you can find online at Root Source. And going back to the declaration, one of the things for which we have repented a number of times is what happened at the Council of Nicaea in the year 325. At that time, churchmen changed the date of Resurrection Sunday away from Passover. And this caused a terrible breach and separation away from biblical truth and brought a divorce between Jews and Christians. During the time of the ceremony of contrition and that this broadcast is being made, I want to remind you that this is an annual three-week period of pressure called in Judaism the dire straits leading up to the ninth of Av, when the Jewish people remember the day of catastrophes in the history of Judaism, when both the Jewish temples were destroyed, when pogroms and even the Nazi Holocaust began. This time of introspection when the Jews read the Book of Lamentations falls in the heat of the summer and when the new nation of Israel has been hammered with wars and opposition year after year it was at this time that those who had chosen to live in the Gaza Strip, those Jews had to abandon their homes and farms and give up that territory in the hope of peace. And yet the Gazans, driven by a terrorist organization, have still been trying to breach the borders and send rockets and fire kites over the border, damaging thousands of acres of crops and burning even the beehives. Yet, as terrible as all of this is, the prophet Zechariah said that this time of mourning and sorrow will turn to joy. So the Jewish people attempt to work toward a new day of peace and prosperity, including the rebuilding of their temple, destroyed twice on the ninth of Av. And I don't believe it's any coincidence that during this period of dire straits leading up to the ninth of Av, the day after our visit in the speaker's office, 
Israel passed a nation-state law declaring that only Jews had the right of self-determination in the country. The law stirred anger from members of the Arab minority, and there are even Arab members in the Knesset. They said it was racist. Is it? It's important that Christians understand and explain to others that this law is not an apartheid law. It simply means that the Arabs have many nation states, but the Jews have only one nation state which they have to protect. They need one country, just one nation as a refuge from worldwide anti-Semitism. During the Nazi Holocaust, they didn't have it. They need a place to go. So Prime Minister Netanyahu told the Knesset that this is a defining moment in the annals of Zionism and in the history of the state of Israel. The government says the bill, which was passed in the early morning hours, merely enshrines into law the character of Israel that already exists. So the law was largely symbolic. It was enacted just after the 70th anniversary of the birth of the state of Israel. And it stipulates Israel is the historical homeland of the Jewish people and they have an exclusive right to national self-determination in it. The Prime Minister said Israel is the nation-state of the Jewish people, which honors, however, the individual rights of all of its citizens. But he said, I want to repeat, this is a Jewish state. And lately, there have been people who have been trying to destabilize the Jewish state and therefore to de destabilize the foundations of the existence of the nation. So he said, we have put this law into stone. This is our country. Hebrew is our language. We have a national anthem and we have a national flag. Israel's 1948 Declaration of Independence defined its nature as a Jewish and democratic state, which is a delicate balance the country has grappled to maintain for 70 years. Opponents of the new bill claim that it marginalizes the country's Arab minority of around 20% of the population. And it also downgrades the Arabic language from an official language to a special standing. The Jews are taking a stand for their rights to have an exclusive nation again. The question that remains is not what does the United Nations have to say about it, but does God Almighty sanction a Jewish nation? What is his ruling? Well, the God of Israel promised in the Bible in Hosea chapter 6 and verse 2 that the period of judgments against Israel would last only two days. Or, in biblical code language, that would mean 2,000 years because remember God said that with him one day is as a thousand years. And he said he would remember his people and he would reverse their fortunes of all the calamities that had befallen them. Their fortunes were reversed after the terrible Holocaust when the nation of Israel was reborn and when the Israelis later recaptured their capital in 1967. Well, in this program, we've only begun to mention some of the calamities that befell the Jews on Tisha B'Av. And we've also mentioned the amazing prophecy of reversal, Zechariah 8:19. 
predicting that the ninth of Av will be turned from a day of mourning into a day of rejoicing. And circumstances are in place for the first time in millennia that the prophecy of reversal could happen and is, in fact, happening. And so that's why I like to be a watchman at this time, because Bible prophecy predicts this day shall be changed from a day of tears to a day of triumph for the Jews. So while the Jewish people are mourning, we can look forward, according to the word of the Lord, to Jerusalem's restoration as the worship capital of the world. In fact, Zechariah 8.19 mentions several fast days of the Jewish people, including the greatest fast day of the year, Yom Kippur. That verse says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth month, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah, joy and gladness and cheerful seasons. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. The Jewish sages explain that the fast of the fifth month in this verse refers to the ninth of Av, when the temple was twice destroyed. Well-known Jewish sages do believe that this prophecy from Zechariah 8.19 is indeed for the future, when all of the fast days observed by the house of Judah, including Yom Kippur, will become joyous occasions. So never forget, Israel is God's timepiece and her rebirth as a nation in the Promised Land in 1948 and her capture of her ancient capital, Jerusalem, in 1967 and her very existence are miraculous and prophetic. These events no doubt triggered a prophetic countdown. Israel seems extremely near to some sort of climatic confrontation in the region. The situation with some of Israel's neighbors and enemies could blow up any day into a global conflict and involve weapons of mass destruction, and that's why we stand in the gap to pray. There was an amazing prophecy made by the angel Gabriel to the prophet Daniel in the book of Daniel, in chapter 12, and verse 4, that tells us about the time of the end, but you, O Daniel, shut up the words of this book and seal it, even for the time of the end, because many are going to run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We seem to be living in that time, predicted by the angel Gabriel. And on top of all of these prophetic factors, there's also the witness of the Holy Spirit that it's time for the Lord to return. Millions of believers from every denomination witness in our spirits that Jesus' return is near. The question that remains is, are you ready for his return? Romans chapter 3 in the New Testament explains that no one will be declared righteous in his own sight by observing the law because through the law we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known in the New Testament to which the law and the prophets all testified. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua, to all who believe. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus the Messiah. 
God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Amen. That's the way. If you'd like to be a part of this worldwide movement that I've mentioned today, you can contact me through the social media or at our website, exploits.tv, where you can sign this declaration and where you can also sign up for our weekly updates, our newsletter exploits. And don't forget to download our Jerusalem Channel app. In the meantime, praying always for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and Maranatha. From the Sea of Galilee to the desert wilderness of the Negev, Israel is the living embodiment of God's covenant promises. What happens in Israel shapes the destiny of the world, and its eternal capital, Jerusalem, is never far from the news. Politicians may be confounded by the very presence of this tiny nation that's been restored after 2,000 years of exile by the Jewish people, but God's prophetic timetable is unfolding before our very eyes. The Jerusalem Channel provides a spiritual understanding of what's really happening in our world today, but we can only continue with your support. Please consider helping us to go and grow with this media ministry. You can make a gift through our website, our app, or by post. Our mailing address in the USA is Box 2768, Stanton, Virginia, 24402. In the UK, it's Box 109, Hereford, HR4 9XR. Keep informed and pray for the peace of Jerusalem by partnering with the Jerusalem Channel. <laughs>